You're listening to the Lost Mountain Podcast. Lost Mountain exists to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. We hope today's message encourages you towards a deeper relationship with Christ. If you have questions from today's message, email us at info at lmbc.us. Link is in the show notes. Well, it's a lot prettier in Georgia than it is in Texas, you all. Those maples, my heavens, and your dogwoods are turning, and uh, your gardenias are in bloom, and it makes me want to be back in the South. Well, I am this morning anyway, and um, I'm grateful for Matt, for his life, for his ministry. He's so thoughtful and faithful. I love his passion. I love his enthusiasm. I love his devotion. And I'm glad that you all are serving the Lord together uh, in this uh, strategic gospel outpost. And I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to be here today. So thankful for the invitation. Have had a chance to meet a number of the church staff and those who serve with you. And I feel right at home. So, Lord Jesus Christ, would you make yourself at home within our hearts Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Would you allow your word to fall on fertile soil so that it might reap 30 and 60 and 100 fold? Lord Jesus Christ, would you allow uh, your word to be heard so that we might be pressed more fully into your image and likeness? So that our lives would be all that you desire for them to be in you. And this is our prayer. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So I come with you uh, to you with a question. I remember a line from a Michael Card song. Michael Card's old, just like I am. Uh, uh, he said, could it be that questions tell us more than answers ever do. I'm not so sure that they do, but questions lead us into truth often. So here's my question. If and or after you've embraced the grace of Jesus Christ, how then shall you and I live? This is the question that gives rise to Paul's fiery communication that we call Galatians. The apostle had come to the region of Galatia, most scholars think in southern Galatia, Roman province of Galatia, and he brings the gospel with him. And the gospel, in essence, is Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, the gospel uh, period. After Paul takes leave, there are certain Johnny and perhaps Janie come latelys that Paul fashions as agitators. Some have erroneously referred to them as Judaizers. In the ancient world, it is Gentiles that are trying to get other Gentiles to become Jewish that are best called Judaizers, but that's another topic for another time. They're agitators in Paul's depiction. They're saying to these Galatian Christ followers that it's not the cross period, it's the cross plus. So Paul begins this letter, 
that we know as Galatians. If you have a Bible, go ahead and make your way there. That's where we're going to be. In Galatians, the way that you remember it is General Electric Power Company, okay? So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So find Galatians. And it's there where Paul begins by, uh, interestingly, not uh, doing the niceties that he typically does. In fact, he comes out hurling anathemas on any who would preach a gospel contrary to the gospel that the Galatians received and that he proclaimed. Then, uh, in Galatians, in a way more skilled than most Baptist messages you ever heard that have three points, his letter unfurls with autobiographical considerations, chapters one and two, doctrinal uh, instruction linked to biblical revelation, chapters three and four, and then where we will find ourselves in the ethical section of Galatians, chapters five and six in particular, I would like to direct your attention to Galatians 5, 13, or better yet, 15, because uh, I can't see very well, and uh, I have my glasses on now, 5, 16, like I said, not 13, not 15, but 16. Why do they make the, the, the versification so small these days? I need one of these bigger print Bibles. Uh, and so... Um, The question, remember, is this. If or as you have embraced the grace of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, how then shall you live? Let's lean in. Let's listen. Verse 16, Galatians 5. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit. You are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Impurity and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. What we've just read is sometimes called a vice list. You see why. (laughs) I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if Anyone is caught in a trespass. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person with a spirit of gentleness, but watch yourselves, or you too may be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, which Paul has tipped us off to earlier, is the law of love. 
If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For what one sows, this shall they also reap. If they sow to the flesh, from the flesh will reap corruption. But if they sow to the spirit, from the spirit shall reap eternal life. Do not grow weary then in well-doing. For in due time you shall reap if you do not lose faith. But as long as there is time, do good to all people. But especially to the household of faith. How then shall we live in the time between times, as it were? In the time between Christ's initial advent and his ultimate advent How are we as God's people to live? This is that which Paul takes up in this section. He says that we're to live, be led, keep in step with the spirit. Now, I don't know your denominational background or perhaps you don't have a denominational background. Perhaps you're here because this is the place that you've been drawn, but I'm a Baptist. I come from a Baptist background. And in the world of Baptists from which I come, the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. For some reason, Baptists have been somewhat scared of the Spirit. Perhaps it's because many of us grew up hearing the Spirit referred to as the Holy Ghost. Kidding aside, the Spirit is the spirit of the living Jesus. The spirit of the resurrected Jesus that has taken up resident, not only in our lives, but also in our midst, leading us to be less of what we used to be and more of what we ought to be, all for the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. So here's the question. A question upon a question. How, pray tell, are we to live by the Spirit? Keep in step with the Spirit so that we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. In this rather lengthy section of Scripture that I've read, Paul shows us how we might be able to do that. In the first instance, We keep in step with the Spirit. We keep in line with the Spirit. It's a military term. Uh, Even as the Spirit says, march left, we march left. As the Spirit says, march right, we, well, march right. We keep in line with the Spirit. We're not cattywampus. That's a technical term. Uh, We are aligned with the Spirit. How do we keep in step with the Spirit? Well, the first thing that we do is we balance responsibility for one another and accountability to God. Did you see it? It seems as if though it's a contradiction. On the one hand, we are to bear one another's burdens. If someone is caught in a trespass, we who are walking by the Spirit are to 
help set the bone or mend the net. That's the word picture. And we're to do so with a spirit of gentleness, mindful that we too might stumble because we all have feet of clay, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We are to bear one another's burdens. The question was asked by Cain who killed Abel. Am I my brother's keeper? He should have known the answer. The answer is absolutely yes. It was John Donne, the famous British English cleric, poet, who in his meditations wondered, are we all part of a continent, part of the main? And the answer is undoubtedly. Ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. If one of us is diminished, all of us are diminished, integral. To Paul's theology of the body is that we are all part of the continent, a part of the main. If one of us mourns, we all should mourn. If one of us rejoices, we all should rejoice. One of the things about living in North America is if we're going to be a Christ follower in this context, we're going to have to rid ourselves of the myth of the autonomous self. The battle cry for the Christian is not me, my, and mine. Our habit of heart is how can we bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love? Paul says to these Galatians, you want to know the law? Here you go. It can be summarized by Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Someone somewhere said something similar. Remember on that day, Jesus was approached. What is the first and the foremost command? No brainer. It's Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love this one God with your one self. And the second is likened unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For Jesus, the two were inextricably connected. One was heads, the other was tails. One was needle, the other was thread. They went together and Paul says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is how you bear one another's burdens. So also though, friends, not only are we to bear one another's burdens, we're to carry our own load. Because at the end of the day, when the smoke clears and the dust settles, Paul says, That everyone will give an account for the deeds done in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 5.10, whether good or bad. So, if we are to keep in step with the Spirit, we're going to care for one another. And we're going to care deeply, doing nothing from uh, vainglory or empty conceit. We're going to consider one another as more important than ourselves. Philippians 2. And at the same time, we're going to be mindful that we've been bought with a price. And because of this, we are going to give account to the lives that we lead. 
This is how we're going to keep in step by the Spirit, by balancing it. And sometimes it feels like a high wire act. It feels like a knife's edge. But we are going to care for one another and we are going to also be true to our God by being true to ourselves. But not only are we going to keep in step with the Spirit by balancing care for others and accountability to God for self, but also by embracing a number of commitments. Brace yourself. There are a number of these. You note takers are in great shape. If you want to listen, listen well. (laughs) First of all, if we are going to keep in step with the Spirit We're going to uh, not only uh, uh, balance, care for others, accountability to God for self, but we are going to embrace, first of all, concord over discord. All of this is in the text. If you still have your Bibles open, we can turn and show you. So we're going to be marked by uh, concord not discord. Fascinatingly, in the text we've read, Paul says, even if the entire law is filled in Leviticus 19.18, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. That's 5.15. And then did you note in this litany, this laundry list of things that we are to steer clear of, the so-called fruit of the flesh, Did you see how much of it is given over to that which are relationships that have devolved? Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. The call is to concord in Christ, not discord. In Paul's little letter to the Philippians, he can say, I urge you, you Odia, I urge you, Suntuke, to think the same thing in the Lord, to come together, not to be at cross purposes, but to work for the purpose of the cross. If we are to stay in step with the spirit we choose, we embrace Concord over discord. Also, care over conceit. Woven into this section of scripture, we're told to not become puffed up. To the Corinthians, Paul can say that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The story of which Matt told about me, I had no idea regarding that that would have been something that I would have done encourages me more than I'm usually encouraged about me. (laughs) Uh, Most of the time, uh, we try to get ourselves off of our hands enough so that we can focus on Christ and on uh, the other. Remember James and John, they're uh, debating Who's going to be on the right and on the left when Jesus comes into glory? And Jesus gets wind of this. He's um, saying to them, well, as it happens, uh, once you drink the dregs, uh, 
that you will have to drink uh, because of what it means to be a Christ follower. Uh, it's actually not my place to pass out heavenly seating assignments. <laughs> so as it happens, um, I can't really say who gets to seat, be seated where. But this I can say. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a sin offering, a ransom for many. So if we're going to stay in step with the Spirit, we're going to be marked not by conceit, but by care. An uncommon kind of care that walks dusty roads and bears heavy loads, that takes the outer garment off, that girds oneself, that begins to wash feet. Because by this, all people will know that you're my disciples, that you have a radical other regard for one another. Care over conceit. Concord over discord. Care over conceit. Discernment over deceit. Did you see it? It's right there. Perhaps one of the most familiar sections of this remarkable letter known as Galatians. Martin Luther called Galatians his Katharina von Bora to whom he had plighted his troth. Translated, he was married to Katie and he loved Galatians. This letter had so captured Luther. He had been so long tormented by do-goodery. He said on that night that lightning struck as he was coming home from law school and it wasn't going real well. So when the going get tough, the tough go home. Found in the midst of this lightning storm, Luther says, save me, St. Anne, and I'll become a monk. And she did, so to speak, and he did. But he found his way to this Augustinian monastery and he could not find his way. He thought that somehow, or thought that somehow, some way, he could find peace with God by doing enough. But he found that God had done enough and that he was enough in Christ and it radically revolutionized his life, even as it can radically revolutionize ours. And so Luther could say, and Galatians says, that we're to choose discernment over deceit. Paul is what they call a dialectical thinker or a dualistic thinker. He juxtaposes or pits life in the spirit against life in the flesh. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Literally, you will not thumb the nose at God or God will not end up with mud on face. God is not mocked. We will reap what we sow. So it's true. 
Um, my parents are from Missouri or Missouri, contingent upon what part of the state you hail. And uh, in Missouri, uh, in Mansfield, home of Laura Ingalls Wilder, uh, lived my maternal uh, grandmother. She was a gardener and a really good one. And I loved when we would go in the summer because I loved to mow my grandmother's lawn with her little lawn boy uh, push mower. I can still smell the bluegrass freshly cut. The other thing that I love to do is I love to traipse into her garden. I made my way to the strawberry patch. And of course, uh, that means that I really like strawberries and I would just pick them and eat them off the vine. And I would emerge from the garden and my grandmother would scold me kindly. It's tough to be too mad at a kid uh, who's uh, 85 pounds in the second grade. Pudgy, I enjoyed eating with strawberry juice running off of his uh, face. And my grandmother said, uh, Todd, uh, you... You aren't meant to eat the strawberries without washing them. And my mother reports, you know, we don't remember anything from our childhood that our parents don't tell us for the most part. Uh, uh, Todd, uh, you said to your grandmother that, Granny, I'm not uh, eating them. I'm just smelling them or something like that. Well, um, you don't have to be a gardener to know that if you uh, sow apple seeds, uh, you're not going to get oranges. Um, So we reap what we sow and we reap more than we sow. What does the old wag say? Uh, Any fool can count the number of seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. (laughs) You, you, You reap what you sow and you reap more than you sow and you reap later than you sow. So, know what you sow. Have you heard this story? I doubt you have because I made it up about the fox and the lark. (laughs) The fox and the lark lived in a wood. And the fox and the lark had notoriously rocky relationships. There is no relationship where there is no trust and there was no trust. And so, the fox came to the lark and said to the lark, Mr. Lark, why can't we be friends? The lark said, well, for obvious reasons, you're out to get me. And the fox said, to the contrary, each day I will come your way. I will lay a worm at the base of your tree and disappear. And so next day, sure is the world. Here comes the fox with the big, fat, slimy, juicy, dirty worm. Here's the lark in the tree. There goes the fox. There's the worm. Here comes the lark grabs the worm. This is a racket, the best he can tell. Day after day, here comes the fox, here comes the worm. There goes the fox, here comes the lark. Rinse and repeat. This is good stuff. The day comes when the fox says to the lark, Mr. Lark, all good relationships are reciprocal. Not only are they based on trust, but they're reciprocal. So here's the thing. You can see that I'm in this for the long haul. I've delivered day after day the worms that you want. So, Mr. Lark, here's the favor I have of you. Tomorrow, when you come and get your worm, 
would you leave a feather, not one, not ten, not, uh, not two, not ten, but just one, 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 one small feather at the base of the tree? And so the lark thinks to himself, um, why not? And does as he is instructed. So here comes the day when the fox comes with the worm. The fox deposits the worm, takes the leave over the hill, through the dell. Here comes the lark descending on the worm. And now when trying to ascend and trying to fly, he can only flutter. Here comes the fox to devour his fattened prey. You say, what's the point? I don't know the point. I do like the story. (laughs) Or maybe the point is something like this. Don't trade your wings for worms. Or those who wait on the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. If we're to stay in step with the Spirit, we are going to have to opt for discernment over deceit. See, it's a long obedience, friends, as Eugene Peterson says, in the same direction. The race is not always for the swift, but for the steadfast. So Paul says, fourthly, not only are you to choose concord over discord, care over conceit, discernment over deceit, but you're to choose well-doing over weariness. Some of you have been at life and faith for a very long time. Some of you are new. All of us are going to have to choose well-doing over weariness. Because at the end of the day, we won't always feel on a mountaintop. Life in Christ is not the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, even the disciples in Jesus came down. No more had they come down that they have to exercise this demon. So, my encouragement to us all is be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So while there's still time, there will be a time when there is no more time. I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis's wonderful little essay in God in the Dock on, quote, the world's last night. And C.S. Lewis, no, I'm wrong, Fern Seed and Elephant. In, In this little volume of collected essays, Lewis envisions on the other side of World War II, there will be a time when there is no more time. Do you have friends that are telling you these days that the world is coming to a close? They may be bringing out revelation to help them make their assertion. Um, My sense is um, 
you should probably look in the other direction. Um, Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour and neither the angels in heaven nor the son spare the father alone. Lewis's point in this essay is Jesus shall come again. We cannot possibly know when. Therefore, be ready. The, the, the aim is not prediction or pronostication, but preparation that we would not grow weary in well-doing. For in due time, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And it will be worth it all when we get home. The kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he shall reign forever and ever. I'm about to take my seat. Before I do. We would miss the thrust of Galatians if we did not ultimately make this observation. In Galatians, if we're going to stay in step with the spirit. Then we must choose grace and the cross above anything else and everything else. As Paul comes to a close of this letter beyond that which we've read, but not beyond that which he's written. In 614, he says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So neither circumcision, that is this ancient Jewish rite whereby one marks out covenant. So neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. But a new creation is everything. If we are to keep in step with the spirit, then we are to be mindful of the fact that the spirit points us to the gospel and to God's extravagant display of love on the cross. Pastor Matt asked me if I would take the morning to offer a sermon that is at the heart of Paul's theology. I didn't know students gave professors assignments, but he did. <laughs> and I didn't know students gave professors such difficult assignments, but he did. But I gather we're near the nerve center of what allows Paul to live and move and have his being when we hear him say in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faithfulness of and faith in the son of God. Who loved me. And gave himself for me. I do not nullify. Set aside. The grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. But it doesn't. And he didn't.
and thank God. We can walk in step with the Spirit. Because the Spirit of the living God has fallen fresh on us. Because of the crucified, risen, and returning Jesus. Who takes up residence in our lives. When we're buried with him in baptism. And raised to walk in newness of life. Would you please pray with me? Lord, we pray that as we respond to this word that we've heard, that you would allow us to be drawn to the cross. Greeks regard it as foolishness. For Jews, it's a stone of stumbling. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And Lord, we thank you that as we embrace the grace of Jesus, that the spirit of the risen Jesus comes to dwell in us. In spirit, we say to you that we want to keep in step with you. We want to walk as you would have us walk so that we will not carry out the desires of the flesh because all the vain things that charm us, we sacrifice so that we might be pressed into the character of Jesus, this love and joy and peace and all the fruit that can be born in our lives when Jesus has control of our lives. How then shall we live? We shall live And the one who gave his life that we might have life. It's costly. It cost us our lives. It's grace. It's the only true life. So let us abide in you as you abide in us. And bear much fruit. And so prove to be your disciples. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For more information about Lost Mountain, visit us online at lnbc.us. Thanks for tuning in today.